Welcome to Mommy Heal Thyself. We feature guests who provide you with the tools, resources, and strategies you need to say no to a life of pain and suffering from all forms of preventable disease, toxic drugs, and unnecessary surgeries. We hope to inspire you to boldly reclaim your ability to heal and to serve the ones you love. Welcome, everyone. Once again, we have a phenomenal episode here with us. Today, we have a dentist. Yes, I know you may say, Michelle, what do teeth have to do with me healing myself? Ha, huh. little do you know, my ladies, teeth has a lot to do with being able to heal yourself. Now, today we have with us Dr. Edward Feinberg. He is a graduate of Tufts University and practiced dentistry in Scarsdale, New York for more than 40 years. Now he's practicing in Arizona, and he's a successor to a unique tradition of restorative dentistry. He was trained by a master and a pioneer in full coverage restorative dentistry. And the techniques used by these doctors have been documented with more than 100,000 pictures taken during the past 70 years. Dr. Feinberg is currently the director of Onward, an online teaching organization for full coverage restorative dentistry. To date, he has created more than 30 online courses for this site. And the site also has an extensive library of downloadable materials, weekly blogs, and a forum. Dr. Feinberg is nationally recognized lecturer and a noted author of scientific and educational articles for dental procedures, sorry, dental publications, and a textbook. The, the textbook is Double Tilt Precision Attachment Case for Natural Teeth and Implants. And he has a book of essays, open wide, essays on challenges in dentistry to achieve excellence. So Dr. Feinberg, tell me, what brought yeah. you into this field of restorative dentistry and exactly what does that mean? Well, restorative dentistry, most of my background really is crown and bridge work. Hmm. Um, I grew up in it. My dad was a master and pioneer of crown and bridge and full mouth reconstruction. Um, so, and I, and it's different from what's being taught in dental school. So I was trained completely different from what's, what's out there. Um, and my dad had an amazing mentor. So I really go back to the roots of dentistry and somewhere along the line, uh, dental care veered when it comes to crown and bridge work, veered off the track of what came before and went in a different direction. And they're not seeing the same kind of results. I have dentistry in the mouth that I did 30 and 40 years. Um, and you can't get that kind of longevity unless you follow basic principles that were outlined at dentistry's roots. What are some of those principles that were at the roots of dentistry that have changed now in today's contemporary world? Well, I think everything happened with the advent of uh, porcelain to metal when that first came. Um, the first full coverage restorations for crown and bridge work was gold and processed acrylic. And gold is still the best material ever devised for dentistry. People mm -hmm. may not want to show gold, but that is still the best material, has the best properties and lasts the longest of any other any kind of material. So that is where dentistry came from. 
And uh, when they started with uh, porcelain to metal, that's when the troubles began because uh, when you when they made uh, crown and bridge work, they didn't really do anything to the root surface except curette the root surface. And then they would make their margins on uncut tooth structure, which is what I do. And so the crowns are like mason jar covers, which is the best known thing ever devised for preserving. So I almost never get decay under my crowns for that reason. But if you try to uh, put a porcelain to metal restoration over the shoulder and it springs, the porcelain will flake off the margin. So they came up with the idea of putting a bevel on the on the uh, the sharp edge where the root surface meets the the prepared ledge on the tooth, hmm. and that's when the troubles began because somebody came along and said, "Oh, let's make our margin to the end of the bevel, and it looks like a straight line to the naked eye, but under a microscope, it's a jagged line." And so when you try to make your margin to that line, there are points of tooth structure that have been cut that are not covered. And that's why a lot of dentists have trouble with recurrent decay under their crowns, something I don't have. I also have tremendous retention. So I don't have crowns falling out. I don't have temporaries falling out. Um, and uh, that's another big problem that dentists are having with crown and bridge. Yeah, I know of a couple of people that have had that issue where they've had crowns and they fall out, or as you said, there's an infection that develops. And the same thing I've heard with implants. And you are so accurate in saying that there we don't have the same longevity. I had a patient of mine just recently who had implants, and then she went to another practitioner, and she, I think she had the implants for about 15 years. And then when she went to the next practitioner, he said, oh, we're gonna have to take them all out and replace them. And she was like, oh my God. And those things are not cheap. So, um, and I just heard just scary things. And 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 it's, yes. all of it becomes just very confusing for the normal consumer, you know, to figure out, okay, do I do an ordinary um, dentures or do I do an implant? Do I do titanium or do I do a ceramic? You know, and then we have quote unquote holistic dentistry where, you know, it's, it has to be done in a certain way to remove um, fillings that turn out to be toxic because they they start to leach and enter the bloodstream and create all kinds of issues. So what are some of the typical problems that you see people have when they come to either you or to other restorative dentists that you have trained? Well, I think the number one thing that people should try to do is save their own teeth first. Implants mm -hmm. should be a last resort, except in certain circumstances, like if you're born with missing lateral incisors and you have a perfect mouth. Um, what ends up happening to people um, is, is even if you go to all the, the implant lectures and you watch the professors showing these cases, if you look carefully and notice all the teeth around this space, where they're putting the implant, they mm -hmm. all have big fillings and are going to need crowns or they have crowns on them already. If you know how to do good crown and bridge, you can do something good for the entire area where you uh, minimize the forces, you make ideal architecture, 
um, to help preserve the roots and the bone. And that patient's problems are solved for the entire area. All a single tooth implant does is fill a hole or a space. And so the patient ends up with a hodgepodge and their problems are never solved. Uh -huh. um, and so I think that's wrong. This is what I call piecemeal thinking, which is now rampant in my profession, probably because of the insurance companies, because they want to pay for piecemeal and not for what's really best for the patient. In fact, in dentistry, insurance is not even insurance. It's payment assistance. That is all it is. And and for the bigger ticket items like so, implants, there there is no insurance, really and truly. I mean, I went to look at uh, the prospect of implants for my son versus dentures, and basically they said, well, insurance doesn't cover this, and it's going to be close to six thousand per tooth. You know, he has two missing teeth from an accident, and I went, ah, you talking twelve thousand dollars for two teeth? You know, oh, scary. So, well, the important thing is not so much the money, but who's going to be doing it? Because if you um, spend that kind of money and it lasts 30 years, that's a good investment. But if you spend that kind of money and it lasts five years, that's not such a good investment. Hmm. Um, and that's what's happening to a lot of patients. So, um, so you, you I, one of the things that I would tell anybody is don't be, don't be afraid to get a couple of opinions. Don't just accept one person's word for it. And if one person can't save a tooth, that doesn't mean that another one can't. Hmm. So we're not, you know, it's the same in every field. You have good, bad, and everything in between. So I would encourage people to get, you know, um, find out, get, take your time, get some opinions, um, and try to figure out what's best for you. Nobody hmm. could make that determination, and nobody should push you into treatment unless you decide that you want that. As a doctor means teacher. So I always look at my job as to educate people. Exactly. So I want to give them choices. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell them, you know, what's good, what's bad about each choice, mm -hmm. and what I would recommend. Mm -hmm. And then whatever they want to do is fine. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it. It's I just want them to have all the information so they can make the best choice for themselves. So what are some of and the that's what I think that... our role really is, you're going to do the work, you know, <laughs> So what are some things that I'm sorry, you go ahead. do to save their teeth? Uh, well, the first line of defense, the, the real problem in dentistry is um, most people get into trouble with losing bone. Period, that's called periodontal disease. We don't know how to grow it back. So everything we do in dentistry, everything is geared toward preventing the bone from being lost. So the number one thing that we know causes bone loss is letting tartar and plaque and calculus build up because that can cause the gums to become inflamed and that can spread to the underlying bone. So the single best thing anybody can do is have regular hygiene and good home care mm. because it removes that one factor that we know causes bone loss. Another factor that we know contributes to bone loss is missing teeth. Because what tends to happen is the teeth around the spaces drift and the teeth opposite the spaces erupt into the spaces. And then the teeth start taking forces in abnormal directions. And nobody knows at what point the body's not going to accept that. And in human beings, one of two things goes wrong. Either the teeth wear or the bone goes. And uh, then you have a mess to restore everything.
then yeah. you're you're so if you can prevent that from happening, then you can hold on to your teeth, hopefully for a lifetime. And that's the goal of dentistry should be prevention. So when you do crown and bridge, you want to correct all the things that are wrong. Mm -hmm. You want to minimize the forces on the bone and the roots mm -hmm. so that um, the body can maintain it. And, uh, um, you know, a lot of times people uh, who do crown and bridge uh, look at that as tooth coverings and not as corrective. So I'm looking at it from a corrective standpoint. Mm -hmm. I'm taking advantage of Wolf's Law. Um, in the 1700s, Wolf um, uh, discovered that bone is deposited and, and resorbed in accordance with the stresses placed on it. Mm -hmm. So if you minimize the forces on weak teeth, very often they tighten up. So mm -hmm. we have uh, different methods that we can employ. First is to try to make the teeth smaller, mm -hmm. ideal shape and form. And a lot of times we connect them together so that they help each other out rather than each tooth having to carry the load all by itself. Mm -hmm. And so I've had patients where with teeth that are the worst teeth you ever saw with their, with a minimal bone and poor root anatomy. Mm -hmm. And I was able to restore their mouth and it lasted 30 years. Wow. And you wouldn't expect that that could be possible. But with good dentistry, it is possible. So what do you suggest for people who have missing teeth? I think they should go to a really good practitioner mm -hmm. and have their, their, see, everybody's different. Mm. Um, so if there's destruction, you have to figure out, well, what caused the destruction? So sometimes I don't know whether the teeth are in harmony with the muscles and in order to find out, I have them wear a diagnostic appliance. Hmm. So I can see if there's any changes um, where the teeth are not uh, in the right position. Mm -hmm. And then you can um, determine diagnostically what would have to be done in order to correct that problem. Sometimes it's crown and bridge. Sometimes it's orthodontics. Sometimes it's a combination of both. So every case is different depending upon the patient. But to take your time and not rush into major treatment, mm -hmm. um, get a couple of opinions, what makes sense to you, what uh, um, what 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 do you think you're going to have the best outcome with? Mm -hmm. So now and to, at all costs, try to hold on to, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, hold on to. At all, at all costs, try to hold on to your teeth. <laughs> the worst restoration in all of dentistry is the lower denture because the muscles of the tongue and the cheek lifted up and almost nobody is comfortable because dentistry doesn't know how to make a good lower denture. Um, mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter who makes it. Um, but, uh, um, and that's the only time that I try to talk patients into doing implants is if they have no lower teeth. Okay. Otherwise, usually they have other choices. I have a lot of choices in my armamentarium. I know how to make a good precision attachment case, which is removables. Mm -hmm. um, that's not taught anywhere. So, and those cases last longer than any other kind of case on the worst teeth you ever saw. And um, and yet um, nobody knows anything about it. And that's what I wrote my textbook on because oh. uh, it's such a shame. 
and that works well with implants. So you could stay away from the the bad anatomy where you have to do sinus lift grafting and um uh, and other kinds of grafting in order to try to place an implant that's long enough that mm. it could actually support the restoration. Mm. And that's the other thing that I don't like that I see. Um, there, there's this tendency to uh, um, extract the teeth and put four implants in. They call this the all on four case. Mm. And uh, I think this is one of the worst things ever, ever devised mm. because half the time they can't put good implants in. Mm -hmm. And uh, then if one of them goes, that patient is screwed. And yeah. you have to have a contingency plan if something goes wrong so the patient doesn't have to do the whole thing over. I think they're owed that. So mm -hmm. when I work up a patient, I spend a lot of time thinking about it. Um, what happens if this happens, if that happens? What, mm -hmm. How can I design this so that the patient doesn't have to go do anything over if something goes wrong with that weak abutment? Oh, okay. um, I've, I give that a lot of thought because um, that's... Uh, a lot of patients are reaching to do dentistry. They're owed that kind of thinking. Mm -hmm. And yet no one talks about it in my field. So I'm kind of like, you know, out there uh, alone in the wilderness because <laughs> I was trained differently. Yeah, yeah. Old this school. is how I was trained to think. <laughs> I know. Old school is good school. As far Old as school. <laughs> I don't care if they call me a dinosaur. I have 70 years of cases all done according to the same basic principles uh -huh. that says I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's like with everything, you know, whether you're buying an appliance or a car or teeth, it seems that the things of today are disposable. Every couple of years, you have to do it all over again. And it's just horrible. So now what I'm hearing from you yes. is save your- This is what I see too. Yeah. Uh huh. Save your teeth. Yes, save as them as much as possible. And Do, implants should be a last resort. Do, yeah, a last resort, not a first resort. resort. Except there were some except exceptions. The there were some exceptions to that. Mm -hmm. And now, so yeah. well, the bottom teeth. Yes, that's okay. So Go now, ahead. when we're talking about the upper dentures, you know, so you were talking about like um, dentures, or I think they call them flippers, you know, where you, you're able to put in the removable ones, you know, in the, in the upper area. And that is important to do to maintain the integrity of the rest of the mouth. So, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people, because they're so overwhelmed with the cost of implants, and that's all that's being presented to them right now, they'll end up doing nothing. And you're saying that that is dangerous because it starts to compromise the integrity of the rest of the teeth, not only the teeth in the upper jaw or lower jaw, but the opposing teeth as well. Am I correct in in, in saying that? Yes, yes. You know, a, a good practitioner uh, wants to help his patient, and not all not all my patients are wealthy, mm -hmm. um, and um, I think it's important to have uh, things in your armamentarium to help those people too. So mm -hmm. like uh, I see people being turned away because they broke a tooth and they they they're being presented with the with the uh, with the permanent crown and uh, everything right off the bat and at the emergency visit, which I think is not right. It's mm -hmm. not fair. Mm -hmm. um, I can make a good temporary with a copper band that fits like a permanent and is not going to fall out wow. on teeth that are flush with the gum with no post, no nothing. Huh. And um, and this way. 
they have to navigate socially. These are human beings. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't let anybody walk around with no tooth, no tooth. I would come up with something that I could do for them, even even on a temporary level, so that they could navigate. And then I want those teeth there that when they're ready to do the work, they're there and they could do it. And one of the saddest things is is to have patients um, when they um, uh, when they they go to the dentist and they're turned down because they don't have any money. Mm-hmm. And now when they're ready to do the case, the teeth are all gone and lost and they can't even do the case. And right. now it's even going to be even more expensive. And and that's what happens to a lot of people. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm trying to educate dentists because, you know, you can still make some money on mm-hmm. patients, but uh, those patients are like could likely turn around and be great sources of referrals to, for you if you if you handle them nicely and you treat them like you know human beings, because um, I wouldn't want to walk around with no tooth and I I I wouldn't let any of my patients walk around with no teeth. I, I especially in the front. I mean that's uh, that's that's terrible. But that's what they're doing. But a lot of it is because they don't know how. In all fairness, it's not because they are mean or they want to do this to people. They mm-hmm. just simply no one show them. That's the purpose of the teaching website is to try to teach them. Mm-hmm. And then I'm giving them new options for treatment that they can use to help people. Hmm. The reality <laughs> is that there is only one of you and everyone can't come to you. So what are some options do you do you have a, a course that people can refer their doctors to, or do you have a directory of um, practitioners that have trained under you that you know people can look up? What are some resources that we can have for people who I are- don't actually, and there's, there's only a handful of people who are trained like me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of people who can do good implants. And if somebody needs implants, for example, they could go to and ask any oral surgeon who were the best practitioners to work with mm-hmm. and get a good a good referral because implants have to be uh, uh, um, they have to be designed uh, from the restorative perspective. Mm-hmm. So the restorative dentist has to make sure the implants are put in the right place because otherwise you could have a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I have patients, for example, like if they're put in the right place, you can have screw hole access. So if something goes wrong in the future, all you have to do is unscrew it, do whatever you need to do and screw it back. But a lot of dentists make implants with with abutments when then they cement the crown on the abutment. And if something goes wrong, you have to cut the whole thing off and do the entire thing over. And I don't think that's fair. So sometimes you can't help it because that's where the bone is, but at least strive for it. Mm-hmm. So they have to make some kind of guide or it's called a stent to place mm-hmm. the implants. And it can either be done conventionally by hand. And I made a lot of them all myself, mm-hmm. or it can be done by the computer. And I've done both ways and they both, they're both good. And, uh, but you have to, that's what I would do if I needed an implant, I would, I would look to get the best practitioner Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, uh, if you know, a good oral surgeon who places a lot of implants, they know who the better people are to work with those that would be, that would be a good referral. Okay. So now do you have any, that's my suggestion, any resources that, um, ordinary consumers can access where you 
either talk about this more in depth or can people do a consult with you or something of that nature? Do you have a book for ordinary consumers? Or I have my book. Yeah, my my book on essays, mm -hmm. which I, you know, I, I wrote. I, it's, a, it's a collection of essays from my blog last year on my website. Oh. And um, it while it's designed primarily to market to dentists, mm -hmm. a lot of it would be very good for the average person. There's some um, they would find it very interesting and informative. Okay. Um, so I think that might be a good place to start. Awesome. Well, and uh, it's available on Amazon. <laughs> ah, wonderful. So, ladies, I'm going to be including in the show notes a link to his website where he has training for dentists. And so you can refer your dentist to that site because a lot of dentists, but not a lot, all dentists have to do continuing education any old way. And if this is something that more and more people talk about and demand, guess what? They will do it because they want to make you happy because you're the consumer and you're the one that pays their bills, right? So I always say, ask for what you want. So I'm going to be including in the show notes, the link to his website that has training for dentists, as well as information pertaining to his book. And thank you so very, very much for joining us today, Dr. Feinberg. And telling us more about the importance oh, you're very of welcome RT very important message so is there any last thing you're very welcome thank like you to share with us any last tip or advice that you'd like to give us well my main advice would be to not let anybody push you or talk you into treatment Think about it, get some opinions before you decide what to do. A lot of dent, a lot of patients will do that with medical care, but um, will do whatever their dentist says because you know they have a long-standing relationship with him or her. Um, and uh, you know, I think if you're going to have to do extensive work, you should get a couple of opinions and 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 not just accept the only one opinion. That's my, that's my best advice. Absolutely. Well, thank you once again for joining us. And I will see all of you ladies next time for Mommy Heal Thyself. Bye. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Mommy Heal Thyself. If you like what we're doing here, please share, subscribe, like us, and leave a comment. Your feedback is very much appreciated.